1: I think I'm gonna put this bottle down I guess as time goes on I'll grow to miss it less than I will now
2: Thursday morning, it is time once again for Southern Fried Sports on your home for University of Alabama Athletics. Tide 100.9 FM, Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. The show, as always, brought to you by Peter Brook Chocolatier out there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hill section of Tuscaloosa we're inside one month until the Easter holiday, and as I've told you kids before, it's not from Peterbrook, it's not from Peter Cottontail, so be sure to get by your official outlet for Easter 2021, Peterbrook Chocolatier, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North. Joined on the program by the executive producer of Southern Fried Sports, Jacob Harrison, who together we combine to form the Sixty-Bit-A-Boo. Woo! of Sports Talk Radio, and Jacob, it is a where-were-you edition of Southern Fried Sports because it is the one-year anniversary. One year ago today, in Nashville, Tennessee, the Southeastern Conference Men's Basketball Tournament was a wrap, and life as we know it changed suddenly. I know where I was at the night before the the big day or the bad day from a year ago. What about you, Jacob? You have a recollection of of where you were when the proverbial crap hit the fan?
3: Yeah. Uh, me and Bama central writer, Joey Blackwell were in our capstone class at the university of Alabama. Uh, and you know, that's when, when the news dropped that, that that was canceled. And that's basically when we realized that, uh, sports as we knew it was, was going to be pretty destroyed for a while And that was real exciting considering we were getting set to graduate into sports media.
2: Man, I felt bad for all you folks in that class of 2020 range. Uh, The college grads like yourself coming up, uh, we had one of those in our family. Uh, I guess our oldest daughter, it was really a year ago today, found out that her college basketball career was over at the University of Hawaii. They were out in Los Angeles, as we talked about before, at the Big West tournament and getting ready for a semi-final matchup in that event they have an assistant coach come in and say well that's it it's over season's over and for people like savannah that was a college career gone and so yeah a lot of different recollections of that span there especially over those final 24 hours i know it would have been last night that uh the chocolate lady and myself along with some really good friends we were able to get out now it feels almost like the last supper we had or something. We we're able to get out in downtown Tuscaloosa. We went to, I believe, the Palmas for a great meal. Nightcap across the street over at Session. Uh, it was really fun. And then, man, the next day, the next day, next day, everything changed. But here we are. Here we are back in action at the SEC tournament, back in Nashville, Tennessee, and cranking up right now up there is Kentucky, the 8th seed, taking on Mississippi State, the nine seed. Of course, Alabama awaits the winner tomorrow, an 11 a.m. tip-off up there at Bridgestone Arena. This game is airing on the SEC Network, the action today on the SEC Network. Now, Alabama's 11 a.m. game tomorrow, uh, it's going to be on the Varsity Champ. They're going to be on ESPN, Alabama versus the winner of this Mississippi State-Kentucky game. Very early on, we just got the basketball in the air up there. Still scoreless in Nashville between Mississippi State and Kentucky. We'll certainly keep you up to speed throughout the program. We're going to have Chris Hummer. We're going to get into some college football talk as well, coming up at the bottom of the hour with Chris Hummer, national college football writer. For 247sports.com, I've got a myriad of college football topics We're going to get into, with Chris Hummer, we're going to talk some Southeastern Conference running backs for 2021. We're going to talk most intriguing teams heading into 2021 spring practices around college football. I'm going to ask Chris Hummer, Power 5 program with a new coach in place that is closest to championship form from day one. Could that be Steve Sarkeesian out at the University of Texas? I don't think it's the... Auburn or Tennessee hires I don't think it's either one of those but we'll ask Chris we'll get his thoughts on that and a whole lot more when Chris Hummer of 247sports.com joins us coming up at the bottom of the hour by the way the OG of our phone lines the original phone line here at Tide 100.9 FM back up and running 205-342-9904 if you would like to check in with us you are more than welcome to do that you had baseball over there off Bryant Drive last night the Alabama Crimson Tide does it again takes care of Jacksonville State wraps up that home and home with the Gamecocks with another win over JSU and now it's Stetson coming in here for three games starting tomorrow the Hatters from Deland Florida going to take on Alabama always usually anyway a really solid baseball program at Stetson. Now they got a nice ballpark down there. I'm not sure if you've been down there to uh it's more of a municipal stadium there in Central Florida in the Deland area, but uh really nice ballpark. At least it was, I don't know, been a while now since I've been there, but nice setup down there for Stetson, and they take the baseball seriously. So uh should be a competitive series uh, up here this weekend with Alabama baseball. 205-342 nine nine zero four you also have the players championship on the pga tour ongoing first round action down there in ponte vedra florida kind of a high-end area town down there you know as a west sider as a native west sider of jacksonville florida they kind of looked at us funny when we went out there to the coast when we went out to ponte vedra uh, i guess we told on ourselves you know, when you just look at us as Westsiders from Jacksonville. But uh, you've got the Players' Championship down there in Ponte Vedra. You have an Alabama contingent involved in that event. It was a little bit of a wobbly start for Justin Thomas, the former Alabama All-American, the former National Player of the Year during his time with the Crimson Tide. But he sort of pulled that thing out of the fire. He was two over through 10, and now... He has got it back to even par. And with the way that course is playing today, even par, get in it even, and that's gonna probably have you within the top twenty five or thirty by the by the end of the day. Because at the at the stadium course, if the wind's blowing at seven o'clock in the morning, right there on the Atlantic coast, it's probably gonna be blowing come about three. And that course was already playing fast and firm this morning. JT and the early wave—they didn't catch much of a break. Usually, you go out early at the stadium course, uh, and there in in Ponte Vedra, and you're going to catch softer conditions. The wind's going to be down. You're going to have a chance in that first round to sort of be a rabbit, kind of get out of the box, and you know get yourself in good position for the. Uh, For the weekend, for going out in that late wave on Friday. But Justin, right now at even par, he had a double bogey on the famed, or infamous, I guess you could say, for Justin today. Par three, Island Green, the 17th hole. So, Justin Thomas and I have something in common when it comes to golf. I know, that's crazy, right? As a ceremonial golfer, as we've talked about on the program, I too have double bogey, the 17th hole at the stadium course. That's right. I got that going for me, which is nice. Yeah. yeah. I, too, like Justin, hit the hit the first tee shot in the water on 17, managed to hit the green with the second, and a two-putt double from there. And I didn't cheat. Pops would accuse me of cheating. See, a lot of people I know, they would have said, oh, that's a mulligan. You know, played a mulligan on 17. And then claimed they made a par. When actuality they didn't take the uh, they didn't take the penalty there on the seventeenth two zero five three four two nine nine zero four is the Peterbrook Chocolatier studio line still buzzing about that Dak Prescott deal aren't they Dallas Cowboys four years one hundred sixty million dollars one hundred twenty three million guaranteed and then you consider too the uh, endorsement value of being the starting quarterback with the Dallas Cowboys. we've already seen it. Dak's already prominent. What was it? The Chunky Soup? Campbell's Chunky Soup commercials we saw for a few years. Uh, so that just drives up the total value of, of that deal for Dak Prescott. Hell yeah, you want to be the starting quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys. You know, and you see some of these baseball deals that continue to go down. Fernando Tatis, the young phenom there, for the San Diego Padres recently got paid. And what it makes me think about is Ronald Acuna Jr. for the Braves. And the steal, how about the steal the Braves got with Ronald Acuna a couple of years ago? He's got that deal that basically the Braves control up to 10 years for $124 million max, which isn't anything to sneeze at, $12.5 and, a, 12 and a, half million a year, essentially, uh, through your 20s. Uh, there's a lot, lot worse runs pre-30 than 12 and a half million per year. But you look at Tatis's deal, kind of the same age when he signed it, he's getting twice the money. For Tatis, it's going to average out, I think, to like 25 million a year with the Padres. Uh, so again, when you look at that Prescott, you look at baseball, and you consider the deal the Braves look to have gotten with Ronald Acuna, hell of a deal. 205-342-9904. We'll keep you updated from the events up in Nashville as we move throughout the program. Kentucky and Mississippi State, still very early up there, and a second round matchup. Of course, you had first round play last night up there with Vanderbilt, homestanding Vanderbilt in Nashville, taking care of Texas a and M. So we're getting second round play underway from up there today. Full day of action before we get to the quarterfinals. And, of course, Alabama makes its initial appearance up there at the SEC tournament. Can I step aside for a quick break? we come back, more of a Thursday edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM right after this.
1: From the University of Alabama, this is Crimson Tide Today. It's a daily update on Bama sports and it's brought to you by SunSouth John Deere, the preferred tractor equipment for Alabama athletics. Visit sunsouth.com or any of their 21 locations across the southeast. Hello again everybody, I'm Roger Hoover. Alabama sophomore Luisa Blanco was named the Southeastern Conference Gymnast of the Week for the second time in three weeks, following a big night against number 1 Florida last Friday. Blanco, a sophomore from Dallas, Texas, scored a 39-700 to win the all-around against the Gators. She also won the vault, uneven bars, and balance beam on the night, tying her career best marks on the vault and uneven bars. This award marks the Crimson Tide's fifth SEC weekly award this season, with Makari Doggett twice earning Specialist of the Week and Shania Adams earning Freshman of the Week in addition to Blanco's Pair of Honors. I'll have more in a moment.
2: Have you prized a new John Deere tractor lately? Sun South John Deere has a full line of affordable lawn and tractor equipment this season. Sun South John Deere has an affordable roster for everyone, from riding mowers to utility vehicles and lots of tractors. Stop by any of the 21 locations across Alabama, Mississippi, and Georgia, or visit sunsouth.com to find out what is right for you. Any budget, any
1: project, Sun South has you covered. Proud to be the preferred tractor equipment dealer of the Alabama Crimson Tide. Join us Thursday afternoon for Crimson Drive, presented by Regions Bank on the CTSN Facebook page. Streaming live at 2 p.m. Central, we'll have conversations with the former Tide lineman Landon Dickerson, basketball analyst Brian Passink, basketball superfan Luke Fluff Ratliff, and women's basketball head coach Christy Curry. That's Crimson Drive, presented by Regions Bank, this afternoon at 2 p.m. Central on the CTSN Facebook page. And that's your Bama Update, Crimson Tide today, brought to you by Sun South John Deere. Crimson Tide Today is a production of the Crimson Tide Sports
0: View. The sky partially sunny today. The high in the upper 70s at 78. For tonight, mostly fair with a low at 54. Then for tomorrow and Saturday, our weather warm and dry. A mixture of clouds and sunshine both days. Highs between 79 and 82. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 63 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Tide 100.9. For more coverage of Alabama football, visit us at Tide 100.9 or download the free Tide 100.9 app. The Crimson Tide will not be denied. One morning I woke up and I knew A new day,
2: a new way, and new eyes. Back with more of a Thursday edition away. of Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM. The show is always brought to you by Peter Brook Chocolatier. You know who likes those fast and firm and coastal, windy-type conditions? down at the players championship, the opening round this morning down there on the PGA tour, the Euros, the Euros don't mind it fast and firm with a little wind, do they? No coincidence then to see four of the top five players on the leaderboard early from Europe, Matthew Fitzpatrick, the young Englishman, five under through 14. That's golfing your ball on that track in these conditions. Serge, Sergio Garcia, four under, through 16 holes. Sergio's had some success there in Ponte Vedra. Lee Westwood, resurgence here, here in the later parts, later stages, latter stages of his pre-Champions Tour career. Put the new wife on the bag, Lee Westwood did. It's his caddy. He's had a lot of success with that team. Three under, round of 69. For Lee Westwood this morning down there at the stadium course. Sebastian Munoz uh, also checking in there at 3-under through 15. Tom Hoagie, the lone American right now in the top five. With a 3-under 69 this morning there in Northeast Florida. So we'll keep you up to speed. We told you Justin Thomas, even par through 17. He's playing... The par-5 ninth, that's his 18th hole of the day. He started on the back first thing this morning. So uh, he's two under on the back or on the front, as it is. But he's playing the par-5 ninth right now to wrap up his round. Also from the Alabama contingent, Michael Thompson, very solid right now. Just birdied the par-5 16th. So he's making the short walk over right now to the par-3 17th, island green there. And Slick at one under now through 16. And that's tied for ninth. Again, that tells you condition's not exactly easy there at the players this morning. Also, Robbie Shelton. He's going off really as we speak. He had an 11-16 central tee time. He, too, was going off the back nine like Justin Thomas. He was going off 10. So uh, we'll keep you up to speed with that as well. In Nashville right now. Mississippi State early with an 11 to 6 lead over the Kentucky Wildcats. 12.50 left in the first half up there. Uh, also, kind of a bloody morning in the NFL, Jacob Harrison. You know, I guess the Kansas City Chiefs just figured, you know what? We really didn't have offensive tackles in the Super Bowl anyway. So we'll go ahead and cut the two we've got. They released. Uh, Mitchell Schwartz and Eric Fisher, the former number one overall pick uh, in an NFL draft. So uh, seems like Jacob, an abundance of offensive linemen here in the last few days that have become available.
3: And there's plenty of teams that need them. Uh, I certainly wouldn't mind Eric Fisher wearing black and gold, uh, but it is still, it's, it's kind of wild though. Cause both of those guys are, are, you know, they're well-respected tackles. I mean, Mitchell Schwartz is probably a top five right tackle. There's there's not very many great ones in the NFL right now. But Eric Fisher, longtime starter too, uh, you know, for all the jokes that could be made about the Chiefs, you know, not even having them in the Super Bowl, uh, it, it just kind of speaks to what the situation is in free agency this year, which is which is volatile to players this year.
2: I guess though the draft looks pretty good at the tackle position. Is that right?
3: It it's it's deep. Like, there's Penny Sowell, and then there might not be another one pick for another 15 picks after him. Gotcha. Uh, but there's a lot of guys to like. There's just not a lot of tape on them. Uh, the, right. You know, the guys out of Northwestern, Darisaw from, from Tech, the, the kid from Oklahoma State, uh, like, these are all good players. You just don't know if they're elite, if they're left or right tackles in the NFL, that sort of thing. So teams that take tackles late in the first round are going to be gambling, that's for sure.
2: Yeah, Leatherwood, I guess, kind of fits that too, right? Um, Some uncertainty with him in terms of where he fits in the National Football League.
3: More so than other tackles. Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. I've made the comparison to James Carpenter, who came out in that 2011 draft. Ended up kind of a surprise going late first round to the Seattle Seahawks. And I also saw here in the last couple of days, uh, Carpenter, James Carpenter, was released by the Atlanta Falcons. So he's another offensive lineman out there in search of a new home. 205 342 9904 is the Peterbrook Chocolatier studio line. We got Chris Summer coming up in just a few minutes. Want to talk some SEC running backs, among other things, with Chris Summer. I've got a top five opposing running backs on Alabama's 2021 schedule. Coming up around 2 o'clock this afternoon, you're going to be able to find that at BamaOnline.com. Kind of tough. You know, I think a lot of folks look at this group that we're considering here when we're talking about just opposing running backs on Alabama schedule and a lot of smallish tight backs. Now, you got Isaiah Spiller, Texas A&M. He's at 6'1", 220 type back, so he's certainly bigger uh, in size. Tank Bigsby somewhere in between, sophomore running back at Auburn. Uh, Jerry and Ely though, you get into Jerry and Ely of Ole Miss, Traylon Smith of Arkansas. Uh, I consider Anaya Smith a running back. He's a tough dude to sort of categorize because you know he's in that 5'10", 190 range himself, and as we saw with Texas A and last season, he'd play in the slot. He could play wide receiver. Uh, But he played some running back, too. He was very effective against Alabama here in Tuscaloosa. He racked up 152 scrimmage yards in that game, as you might recall. 123 of those receiving. He had 29 rushing yards, 11 touches for Anais Smith against Alabama here in Tuscaloosa. He averaged 13.8 yards per play, scored a couple touchdowns for the Aggies. So he'll be a handful when Alabama travels to College Station on October the 9th. Now, A&M, again, I like that stable. I probably like, we're just talking opponents. I I, I definitely like a and stable, the best of the teams Alabama will see. Florida has a couple of veterans coming back, headlined by Damian Pierce, also welcoming in a big-time transfer from Clemson into Marcus Bowman. But I've seen Aniah Smith do it. I've even seen Devin Ashane do it, some. And certainly we've seen Isaiah Spiller do it. Traylon Smith, back at Arkansas, the Arizona State transfer, uh, had a decent showing against Alabama. It was such a blowout. It was overshadowed, of course. Alabama winning that game by 49 points in Fayetteville back in December. But... Smith had 93 scrimmage yards, 69 rushing, 24 receiving. He was good enough over the second half of the season that it became clear he was the guy, especially with Rakeem Boyd struggling with injuries and COVID-19 protocols, that Boyd eventually just opted out of the last few games of the season because it was the Traylon Smith show at that point. Jerry and Ely, as you know, had a big game against Alabama, one of two 100-yard rushers. For the Rebels in that one. He too, though, five foot nine, 180 pounds. Not the biggest guy, but certainly dynamic. Uh, he had 120 on the ground against Alabama. He had an 18 yard catch in that game as well. And I like Snoop Connor. You talk about stables. I really like Snoop Connor. He's more of the more of the thunder to Ely's lightning in that backfield. Hard running back in Snoop Connor. And then you get to Bigsby and Spiller. I'm going Spiller at the top of the list really because when you try to differentiate between Bigsby and Spiller, neither have exactly lit lit it up against Alabama. Now, Bigsby, in this most recent Iron Bowl, he was coming off an injury against Tennessee, seemed to be limited. Still carried 11 times against Alabama in that game, but for just 39 yards. Spiller, in two games in his career against Alabama to this point, um, 52 rushing yards on 21 carries. Hasn't been prolific. Isaiah Spiller's been pretty much really good against everybody else except Alabama. Uh, he wasn't great against Alabama here in Tuscaloosa last October, but the very next week he lit up Florida in College Station. So he's a little bit hard to figure where Alabama is concerned. So I go Isaiah Spiller 1, Bigsby 2, Ely 3, Trelon Smith of Arkansas, four, and I've got Anaya Smith as a running back. And I know you're going to say, well, where are the LSU running backs? I haven't seen it yet. I mean, I know John Emery Jr. two years ago, a five-star prospect headed to Baton Rouge, and he did have the 54-yard touchdown run against Alabama in December. But you look at the yards per carry numbers for some of these LSU backs, and it's just not what you would think. Not very explosive, not very dynamic maybe that'll change this year maybe that'll change for LSU and again I, I like some of the Florida backs too I like Damian Pierce but again he's just kind of a solid guy he's not a guy that's gonna I had two carries for two yards against Alabama in the SEC championship game I'm gonna step aside for a break Chris Hummer national college football writer for 24 7 sports.com we'll get Chris's thoughts on SEC running backs and a whole lot more when Southern Fried Sports returns on a Thursday presented by Peter Brook Chocolatier right after this.
0: Um. You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with BamaOnline.com senior analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. We're on the road Must have a code That you can live by And so Become yourself Because the past Is just a goodbye Teach Your
2: children well There's some teaching going if on in Nashville as right as now
0: And it's in the paint.
2: Mississippi State leads Kentucky 23-16 at just about the eight-minute mark of the first half of a second-round matchup. Of course, Alabama gets the winner of this one tomorrow at 11 a.m. up at Bridgestone Arena. State has outscored Kentucky to this point 20-6 in the paint. We're going to get a little uh, lesson or two about college football right now. Speaking of teaching, the college football professor, Chris Hummer, National College Football Writer for 247sports.com joins us here on the program. And Chris, you're situated there in Austin, Texas. Uh, Any chance you get a loan or something from maybe Dak Prescott after that big deal?
4: I think Jerry, given the way he just gave out some money, might have some loans for everybody at this point. But uh, <laughs> I, I don't think Dak's hurting at this point. What is that, $40 million a year? It's not a bad kick.
2: Is there state income tax out there?
4: There is no state income tax. So wow. the only thing he's paying for is uh, some property taxes because I assume he has a nice house or two uh, with yeah. that deal.
2: Yeah, no No. In, no state income tax.
4: And, yeah, Texas, and the endorsement. Texas, the endorsement is the place you. to live if you're a pro athlete for sure.
2: It's, unless there's a national you know weather emergency or something, you know, then it gets obviously a little tough. Maybe some state income tax would help there. Uh, we're talking with Chris Hummer, national college <laughs> football writer for 247sports.com and Chris in the previous segment was kind of running down, in my opinion, the top opposing running backs on Alabama's schedule. and I know you and Brad Crawford of 247sports.com, recently broached the topic of sec running backs in general and i thought brad had an interesting take on brian robinson of alabama he really likes brian robinson going into this season
0: doesn't he
4: yeah i think he had brian robinson as the third best back in the sec i wasn't i'm not really willing to go that far um i think we need to see a little bit more from brian who in my opinion like was at his best as a freshman um he was really really good and he bounced back a little bit last year. Um, I think he played really well behind Najee. But given the way that offensive line's gonna reset at Alabama, I know it's supposed to be pretty good. Still some really good pieces there, like Evan Neal. But I think Brian has a lot to prove and he's got some really talented backs behind him, a guy like Trey Sanders, if he's healthy. Kamara Whedon, kind of the incoming freshman. So I don't I don't know if Brian Brian is a guy that I think has to prove it and prove it early to kinda of keep that lead back role given as much depth as behind him and I'm higher on a guy like Tank Bigsby at Auburn or um, even a Chris Rodriguez at Kentucky than I am about Brian Robinson at this point. I think uh, Brad actually had Brian Robinson ahead of Zeus uh, Zeus over at Georgia. So uh, Brad is very, very high on Brian Robinson for sure.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, Do you get the sense, I kind of do, that for Alabama, at least going into the season, it'll be more like. 2016 to 2018 where you sort of had that rotation of backs you went from derrick henry into sort of damian harris josh jacobs Najee. bo scarborough was still banging around i think in 16 uh and you really did that for three seasons until 2019 when Najee really emerged as kind of the guy the the last two years
4: Yeah, it's funny. I actually, I remember at the All-American Bowl probably two years ago, I talked to Trey Sanders at length about a big reason why he picked Alabama is because he thought he'd be in a rotation like that, something that would save his legs long-term, kind of maintain the NFL value, uh, while also getting enough touches to kind of prove yourself. And I think Alabama has the backfield and kind of the rotation to make that possible. I didn't mention Jason McClellan earlier, but he's a guy from Alito high school. I'm really familiar with outside in Texas. And there's just a lot of talented backs. And yeah, I, I don't know why if you're Alabama without an Aji Harris, who was amazing as a senior, just amazing. I don't think you have that type of workhorse presence on the roster right now. And maybe you do, but he has to prove it. So until then, like, I think it makes all the sense in the world to have that sort of deep rotation. Cause I, coaches talk about this all the time. You really benefit from a rotation like that a lot of the time, because one, you can put, backs, kind of a different skill set and a position to succeed. Trey Sanders, I think, when healthy, is one of the better pass-catching running backs in the country. Um, He's a guy who actually had more receiving yards than rushing yards his senior year at IMG Academy. And if you could put him in a position where his legs are fresh and he is doing exactly what he's good at, I think it's a really good way to build your backfield. Yeah,
2: when you have sort of that mix of class status There's a trust level that's involved too, right? And, you know, Najee, obviously going into his third and then four seasons, he had evolved as an all around back to a point where if you're Nick Saban, if you're the offensive staff at Alabama, you're not worried about the situation that you've got him in. In other words, if you got to pick up a blitz, identify and pick up a blitz, Najee got to a point there in his third year where you you absolutely knew he would and could could and would do it um, those are some of the things that I think could help Brian Robinson as much as anything is that he's going to be trusted I would think more early in the season in those type of situations that'll get you on the field uh, just about as much as anything hey Chris um, wanted to ask you if you got a team or two most intriguing team or two heading into spring practice understanding places like Florida are already underway I think Arkansas got going yesterday. Um, who are those couple of teams that you're especially interested in seeing how they maybe transition from some personnel overhauls or, and or coaching changes, uh, when we look at this next couple of months?
4: Yeah, I was thinking about this earlier and you mentioned Florida just a second ago. I know, I know they've been going for a couple of weeks now, but that's a team that I think was, we felt was on the precipice is kind of making a step last year. Didn't quite work out with that late loss. LSU kind of knocked itself out of um, playoff contention. But we saw them push Alabama kind of the SEC championship game. And Dan Mullen got a lot of NFL buzz, even though he denied it this offseason. I think there are some people in the industry that think Dan Mullen wanted to kind of make that leap to kind of get out of some of the headaches that come with being a college coach. And what we have heading into 2021 with Florida is a roster that's going under, undergoing a pretty hard reset. Obviously, you lose Kyle Trask at quarterback, and Emery Jones is likely the guy there, but you're also losing almost all of the team's playmakers, Kadarius Tony, Kyle Pitts on the way out. That offensive line was just very okay last year. Um, it's going to have to take a step with, I think, the majority of that group back. Todd Grantham got to stick around for another year, but he really struggled last year, and so did that defense. And they had a couple coaching changes as well. They have turned over both their kind of coaches in the secondary. And there's just a lot of new on that roster. Um, Florida is still really talented. And then you throw in a couple of new kind of high-profile transfers like DeMarcus Bowman. You throw in the fact that they will not have Eric Gilbert as kind of we expected. And it's just a, it's a really fascinating team in my opinion. Um, and then like if we're just talking a second team and we're talking nationally, I don't know how you can look past Michigan. I find myself fascinated with Michigan every time I talk to anybody about them. Jim Harbaugh is kind of like a magnet of attention and he more than anybody in the country reset his entire staff. I think there's only one or two assistants back from last year's group. Um, he's going to have a new quarterback with Joe Milton moving on in the transfer portal, brought and Alan Bowman from Texas tech to provide some competition. Cade McNamara and uh incoming five-star true freshman JJ McCarthy and Jim Harbaugh always just like, he got a restructured contract this year, but this kind of just seems to be a put up or shut up year for that program. And with all the new they have there, there's a lot of excitement, but there are just so many questions as well that I feel like we're going to know a lot more about them at the end of spring ball.
2: Yeah. All these staff changes you were talking about Florida. I think Brian Johnson moving on to the national football league, uh, you know, understanding Mullins forte is offense and, in quarterback development when you go back to, Alex Smith and Tim Tebow and Dak Prescott. But Brian Johnson, a really solid young coach who, interestingly enough, Brian Johnson's headed to Philadelphia to presumably work with Jalen Hurts, who the Eagles say, at least, they're very interested in going all in with at that position. So Mullen has had undeniable success uh, with quarterbacks right I mean I just ran down the list and you can add Kyle Tr- Trask to that I thought he did a good job with even Felipe Franks before uh, Franks moved on to Arkansas but you know when we look at the uh, when we look at the power five program with a new coach that is closest to championship form we've had coaching change obviously at various power five programs which of those teams in your opinion is closest to being ready to com- at least compete for a
4: championship in 2021. We're talking national championships, right? Or are we talking conference championships?
2: Yeah, you can even go conference. I mean, I under- understanding there's there's a change that's been made for a reason, and that reason is likely involved not winning it, even a, a conference championship. Um, you can go conference, but national work too.
4: Well, if we're talking conference, I think Andy Avilo- Avilos at Boston Col- or Boise State and, Josh, or and Gus Malzahn at UCF are easy answers. Boise State should win the Mountain West every year. Um, they are just more talented than every team in the Mountain West. And Eddie Villos um, kind of inherits a really good roster situation, especially at quarterback, where they have two excellent options in Jack Sears and Hank Bachmeier. Um Gus Malzahn, same thing. UCF, um, that roster is pretty loaded as it is. He's recruiting pretty well early and outside of Cincinnati, and I realize how competitive the American is like UCF is the best group of five job out there. So Gus Melzahn's in a position right away. But if we're talking nationally, I think the answer has to be C. Sparks Keesian. Um, mm-hmm. Brian Harston also inherits a pretty decent roster situation in Auburn. A lot of talent left over, but they still have that hurdle that seems to always get in the way of Alabama. Um, Nick Saban kind of blocks the path for anybody at Auburn, at least in the short term or for the long term. Uh, Nick Saban seems like he could coach forever. Uh, Whereas at Texas, while Oklahoma and Iowa State heading into next year are really good, I think Steve Sarkeesian brings back a roster that's among the probably five to seven most talented in the country. I know it might not seem that way with the way Tom Herman's tenure ended, but he recruited really, really well. And if one of those two quarterbacks that are kind of vying for that top spot, which are Casey Thompson and Hudson Card, kind of emerges difference makers, and kind of the word out of Austin is like, Hudson card could be that guy for Texas. Um, he's a, I guess he's going to be a red shirt freshman next year, top 50 recruit coming out of high school. And he just kind of has it. And if he's that guy, given the talent that's around him and on that roster still, I think Steve Sarkisian's in position to kind of jumpstart that program very quickly and bring them up the rankings. But, uh, we always say that about Texas too. So I guess you never know.
2: We'll stick with the big 12, uh, for a second, Less miles, out as the head coach at Kansas. Uh, Jeff long is AD gets the uh, pink slip as well here in the last 24 hours. And uh, certainly in connection with the hire uh, of less miles. So assuming less is done at the power five level, certainly you would think as a coach, uh, what, what's his, what's his legacy at this point? Is it, um, you know, kind of the 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 guy who followed Nick Saban. Did he do enough at LSU uh, on the field anyway? With, with what he inherited and that situation being what it was, um, I guess you have to take into account his time at Oklahoma State as well. What's in your opinion? What, what's the legacy that uh, Les Miles leaves behind? Uh, obviously, uh, this off the force, off the the field situation allegedly uh, diminishes a, a lot of that. I would think.
4: Yeah, I think it's difficult to separate the two um, for sure. I think on the field, I think Les will always be criticized, and he was often criticized at LSU for not winning enough. Like, given the way that team recruited kind of some of the talent on there, um, his lack of adaptability from an offensive perspective um, will always kind of draw the ire of some people. But I think when you're coming in and following, the best college football coach of all time in Nick Saban like those are not easy shoes to fill for him to have won a national championship appeared in another consistently had that program around 10 wins I think he at least from an on the field perspective is going to be considered a coaching legend and deservedly so Um, I think he's he's not one of the top 10 or top 25 coaches of all time but when you build the top 100 list I don't know how you can do it without Les miles Um, and you mentioned his time at Oklahoma state, um, that program was in shambles before he got there and for essentially 15 to 20 years. And by the time he left, they had gone to three straight bowl games. And, uh, that program is positioned under Mike Gundy to really take the next step. So from that perspective, I think Les Miles is a great coach, but at least growing up, like I watched Les Miles and he was like the mad hatter. He was the quirky kind of guy who did weird things. He ate grass. Like he was the fun guy to follow in the SEC. He was kind of the antithesis of Nick Saban and kind of his structure and everything he did from that program's perspective. And while he didn't win all the time, he was kind of the guy you could laugh with and laugh at. And I think that legacy is certainly dented by the allegations that have come to light recently. Like honestly, given everything I read and given everything I've seen, it's hard to kind of consider Les miles anything, but a bit of a creep. And that's always going to impact the way I see him. And it, in a lot of ways has to impact what he did on the field like it's it's hard to be a paragon of success when you mistreated workers when you made people uncomfortable when you essentially lived in a throne of lies for a long time and there're other stuff there's other stuff at the LSU program that raised eyebrows during his tenure as well that is a real problem so i don't think you can separate the two but i also I also don't think you can totally diminish what he did as a head coach for sure.
2: Well, Chris, as always, we appreciate the time here on Southern fried sports. Always great work there at 24 seven sports.com. That's where you're going to find Chris Hummer, national college football writer, Chris. Thanks a lot, my man.
4: Yeah, for sure. Anytime. Thanks.
2: There he goes. Chris Hummer, 24 seven sports.com. If you haven't already give Chris a follow on Twitter at Chris underscore Hummer, H U M. M E R. Going to step aside for a break when we come back. More of a Thursday edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM right after this.
0: Shoe Station. Sky partially sunny today. The high in the upper 70s at 78. For tonight, mostly fair with a low at 54. Then for tomorrow and Saturday, our weather warm and dry. A mixture of clouds and sunshine both days. Highs between 79 and 82. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 65 degrees in Tuscaloosa.
2: In addition to me being just a little bit older than one, Crosby, Steels, Nash and Young dropped Deja Vu. This cover of a Joni Mitchell classic made the cut on that LP. So there you go. That's your playlist theme of the day for a Thursday edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM up in Nashville, Mississippi State late in this first half, leading Mississippi, uh, Kentucky, excuse me, Mississippi State leading Kentucky by 11. Been a lot more juice on the maroon and white side of things so far. Not what I would call an excited, enthusiastic big blue that we've seen through the first 18 and a half minutes up there in Nashville, Mississippi state up 11, getting ready to shoot a couple of free throws. So there you go. What about Duke? What about the news involving Duke basketball this morning? Duke apparently had a positive test among its tier one personnel, which means either a coach or a player and, or a player tested positive. So the Duke blue devils, this was kind of the fear you had all along going into these tournaments. You know, what if there's a, a test within the, the tournament and then a team because of contact tracing? Well, it's happened with Duke at the ACC tournament. Duke, after beating Louisville yesterday to advance in the ACC tournament, was set to take on Florida State today. But because of COVID, a positive test apparently, uh, the Blue Devil season is over. And so their run of 24 straight years as it was in terms of NCAA tournament appearances has come to an end due to COVID-19. And you worry about the NCAA tournament and scenarios like that, but I think the NCAA feels like with the protocols they have in place heading into the tournament, they should be okay because my understanding is teams have to test positive for seven straight days, uh, before they can go to Indy in that area for the tournament, you have to have seven straight days of everybody uh, testing negative before you can go. So that should help with the NCAA tournament bubble. Two zero five three four two nine nine zero four. You got some pro days coming up in the NFL draft process. You're going to have one right here in Tuscaloosa. On March the 23rd, I'm interested. you you got a lot of intriguing storylines when Alabama does this thing. In Tuscaloosa, Najee Harris, what's he going to run? Devontae Smith, what's he going to weigh? What's Devontae Smith going to run? Jacob Harrison, if I were to ask you, most intriguing storyline among those or even
3: another one or two if you come up with them.
2: For Alabama's pro day on March the twenty third, what would you have at the top of the list?
3: Uh, right now, I'm still like, it, it's not a me thing. It's just the the general conversation. But Travis Etienne running a four four five today was yeah. really bad news for Najee. So if Najee's got to get that number uh, in the mid four fives, I think to to kind of keep pace with him uh, comfortably.
2: Didn't you kind of expect Etienne to run sub four five though? I mean, oh, 4.4.5, yeah. don't get me wrong, that's smoking. But I, I think it actually could have been worse. Like, if he ran 4.38 on a hometown watch. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I would agree, though, with your, your premise that most of the talk, because we've been hearing about it for two mm-hmm. years, is what is this guy going to run in the 40? And so that will be – must see TV. I'm going to guess the SEC network somehow might find a way to get into the Hank Crisp indoor facility. To be fair, or ESPN or somebody.
3: Too nausea, like How often do we see really big guys go out and run ridiculous 40s that you didn't necessarily yeah. see on tape? Like Chase Claypool last year. Going into the uh, the combine, everybody's like, this is a tight end. Then he runs a four three eight, and it's like, okay, he's a second-round wide receiver. So you never know. Najee could go out there and run a 4-4 four, four himself, and then he's a bona fide first-rounder. Anything can happen. You
2: know, you know what I appreciate about Jacob? He always finds a way to bring this all around to his Steelers. You know what I mean? <laughs> I love that about Jacob. <laughs> we could be talking about pineapple on pizza like we have before on programs, and somehow – we could get pineapple, yay or nay on pizza, back around to Pittsburgh and the Steelers. I love it. I, I appreciate it, actually, Jacob. I think it's awesome. Um, but, no, you, I, I agree. Uh, I don't think Najee has to come close to really matching a four-four-five. but what you said, sub-4-6 somewhere would be good. You know, that would be reassuring, I think, to clubs. And I think they already knew. I mean, when you looked at his explosive plays – really through 2019 you know this isn't a guy that's going to hit home runs in the National Football League but as I've said before how many Sundays do you turn on say the Red Zone channel or just NFL football in general and see running backs not Tariq Hill not wide receivers but running backs just ripping off 70 yarders I mean how many do you really see of those in the National Football League so uh, sub 4-6 I think Najee's fine coming up on march the 23rd that's gonna do it for a thursday edition of southern fried sports as always appreciate jacob harrison producing the program chris hummer 247 sports.com joining us as well we'll be college basketball heavy tomorrow because simultaneous to the program you're gonna have alabama taking on the winner of this mississippi state kentucky game right now mississippi state pretty good shape up there in nashville Lunch whistle on this Thursday, Heat Pizza Bar, Downtown Tuscaloosa, Government Plaza. It is ladies' night at Heat Pizza Bar. Always a good time at Heat Pizza Bar, the best pie you're gonna put in your mouth anywhere. Right here in Tuscaloosa. Heat Pizza Bar, downtown Tuscaloosa at Government Plaza. Until 11 a.m. on Friday. Have a great rest of your Thursday, everybody. And we've got to get
4: ourselves back to-